Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's a great touch of God in here. And seems like there always is, but I think the beautiful thing about church is you're designed to never grow weary of his presence. You will always, always be recharged in the presence of God. It's the way you were built, the way you were wired. And when you get around your engineer and you get around his love and you get around his presence, what happens is you and I get rebuilt, recharged, renewed, reset. And and that's what's happening in this room. And so maybe just put your, you can put your hand on your heart, you can put your hand on your mind, but I just feel a reset and, and a recharge and a reconnection. I just even speak right now to broken wiring where there's just difficulty or inconsistent connection. And I just declare the repair right now. Divine repair for divine connection. I specifically speak to shame, condemnation that disconnects us from God's goodness. I come against uh, judgment where there's judgments against you based on decisions you've made, mistakes you've made that have, they genuinely have disqualified you from the goodness of God. And yet Jesus says mercy triumphs over judgment and we just enforce today the power that reconnects us and what I see is you'll never have the power to reconnect yourself to God it's always his power that came to reconnect you to him so we just enforce that today God your goodness your kindness your mercy you're the one that tore the veil and gave us access to you and I just speak repair refreshing, resetting. Just our mind renewed. You just see fogginess, and cloudiness, and almost congestion of thought, lack of creativity, lack of vision. Just a heaviness I just declare right now. Just a shift and a break in the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole reason the Spirit of God came was to bring freedom. And, and so we just release even right now, even before we start preaching, we just release a spirit of liberty and freedom and life. We come out of agreement with every lie, all fear, everything that has disrupted our connection, thwarted our relationship with you and we declare a revitalization of the life that you built for us in Jesus name we all said at the 11 amen high five a couple people tell them today is going to be a very good day thank you worship team love you guys hey Jeremy Margado I had a word for you uh, really love this guy. He's more than just my man crush. We met at a chiropractic clinic in Eagle. He was coming out of red light, glowing. 
I'm like, tell me about red light, dude. But uh, what I just saw over you is you've been so faithful. And I think you picked up all the worship team this morning in your truck, showed up in your boots. You're just such a man. Um, but what I just felt was that the reason this year is going to be so different is because is it's not a self-made year. It's a God-made year. And God's taking you out of being self-made and doing it on your own and doing it in your own strength. So the problem is you're very strong. And because you've been let down by people, you've determined that you will be the one who will make it. And you're the only person you can trust to not let yourself down. But that's created a big ceiling over you, create limitation over you. And God's taking you out of limitation because you're now going to be a God-made man, not a self-made man. So we love you, honor you. Give it up for, for Jeremy. If you were in red light, you too might get a word from the pastor. Well, hey, it's our first ever Freedom Sunday. Seems like every Sunday is our first ever something. It's because it is. It's our first time we've been open in January. I think we're nine months old, and I we weren't even sure if anybody was going to come to church on flipping snowmageddon, you know. There's always people, though, that, you know, come from San Diego, and they're like, can you drive in this? Is it legal? Can we go out in this? Like, people do that? But then you have people from, like, Wisconsin who are like, this is nothing. <laughs> Francis is. They're the ones that tell their grandkids one day that we walked up uphill in the snow both ways. If you live in Wisconsin, pretty much every journey is uphill in the snow both ways. But for those of us who risked your lives, we just want to say you made a great decision, and we love having you here, and, and we're having fun here. Um, now, a couple things going on. If you don't know, uh, over the last week, we remodeled our kids' church. So had a quick video we were going to show just behind me, and I just want to honor some of the team. This is, this is kind of the new digs back there, and, yeah, it's all yellow. It's not, actually. We got some purples. Look at that. And... Uh, yeah, we love our we love kids here at Awaken, and if you have been in our kids' church for the last six months, you might have questioned whether we loved kids or not, because <laughs> it's basically a dank, cold warehouse floor, and you're like, yeah, you really love kids a lot. You like to torture them, make them not want to be in church, but the reality is, is and when you're pioneering things, it just takes time, you know, to get things going, and and so we're just super pumped to be investing in this next generation. And, and so I want to say thanks to the team. Kate and Mitch are back there right now. But um, Bruce and Brittany, they lead at the nine. And not only was Bruce out uh, making it safer for you to park by clearing the parking lot, but he was also, they were here, their whole family here all day yesterday setting up and resetting. And you guys are just some of the most faithful, remarkable people. And um, one of the reasons we wanted to be open is because we just felt like nobody has volunteers like Awaken. 
we'd have been disappointed if you didn't let us show up and shovel something and <laughs> risk our lives and make our wives uncomfortable on the way to church. I'm just like, this felt like a man this morning. Actually put the Jeep in four-wheel drive and, and needed it. Jack Hartman. All right. Well, the name of this message is free indeed. Now, sadly, I wasn't thinking about my inability to roll my R's when I put this title together. I don't have that ability. Does anybody here, though, have a good, like, R rolling, like, ability? Like, oh, whoa. Oh, my gosh. Undelay, undelay. I wasn't given that gift, but I've been given the gift of acronyms, and this particular one had a lot of R's in it, so whether you can roll your R's or you're not, there's a lot of R's you need if you want to be free, so we're going to start with some scriptures. It's going to be a, a great day, and because we're brand new to the Treasure Valley, and there's a lot of great churches here, but there's not a lot of churches that really teach, believe, and force freedom and deliverance. And what we want to do is do a little teaching, do make, make sure you're understanding what we're getting into here. We're hoping that nobody's levitating and hanging from the ceiling and nobody's going to, you know, slither under your seat and we're not going to have an exorcist movie here. Um, and it's funny, like, if you get into people that like deliverance, they actually think the kookier, like, the more holy it is. And for us, it's like all we care about is you getting free. <laughs> Whatever it is that's hindering your life, we actually know some tactics. And listen, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff. The deeper you get into the occult, the more you can start to see some pretty crazy stuff. But that can happen privately in a back room. It doesn't need to happen. This isn't a show. We're not putting on a show. We're, we're bringing truth that will get you unlocked so you can live life the way Jesus purchased it for you, okay? And so what I want to do, my job as a pastor is to help coach and teach and lead us in to truth because it's actually the truth that set you, sets you free, okay? And so what we want to do is that. And so let, let's read real quick out of the word. We highly encourage the word of God. John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Um, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Okay? Galatians 5.1, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again into a slavery to the law. 2 Corinthians 3.15 through 18, yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Remember when he died on the cross, he, he uh, shredded the veil that separated us from God. Now, that was a, the sanctuary represented there is now the sanctuary is our heart. And so that veil is our heart. And so he came to now separate or, or shred that which separates us in our heart from him. 
He doesn't want us seeing him or doing life with a moderate connection or a, a faint, like, silhouette picture of him. He wants us to have direct access to a loving father, and he made a, paid a great price for us to open up the veil so that we don't have to do all this with a mask or with religion. We get to do it with freedom, and we get to do it with relationship. So, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now remember, you were originally created in his image, in his likeness. And through the fall, through the curse, through Adam's decision, we have slowly, over time, deteriorated and not. We no longer look like we were created to look. And so what Jesus came to do was not to just forgive you for not looking like God anymore, but he came to restore you back into the image of God. And so what he's doing is he's unraveling and undoing all the curse, all the things that have harmed, hindered, damaged you, and stole your image and your identity. That's what he's doing. That's what freedom is. That's why we enforce it, is we realize Jesus came to set us free from the dysfunction and the distortion that has separated us from God and caused us to no longer look like him. And so at Awakened Church, we don't just want to have a cool service where you can sing songs and be encouraged and maybe laugh a little bit and feel a little bit better. We actually want you to start to experience transformation in your life where your life begins to represent Christ. And people on the outside are like, dang, there's something about you. What is it? Okay. Makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Listen, that's, the, that's discipleship is we want to see transformation in your life where you look more and more like him, okay? Now, let's keep going. Romans 8, there's so much scripture on freedom. I had to, like, cut it down to about a third of what I wanted to share. Romans 8, 1 through 3, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power, listen to that, not forgiven you, get this, get this, freed you, freedom Sunday is you're free from the power of sin, not just living perpetually subject to it and forgiven for all the mistakes you made under its power, you've been freed from the power of sin, freed from the power of sin, freed. That leads to death. The law of Moses was unable. Religion is unable. Rules, regulations, unable, unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law, what religion could not do. He sent his own son in a body like our bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. I was a sinner saved by grace, 
I am now restored into the likeness of the image of God. I am now, my life represents Christ. I actually now have a righteous nature that I'm learning to feed, that I'm learning to develop, that I'm learning to cultivate. I am putting to death the deeds of my sin nature, and I'm coming in to life being made into the image of the glory of God. This is Christianity. But I've got to say, most churches, this is not what they're representation is you're just always going to be broken, pathetic, worm of a Christian who's just lucky to get to heaven. Oh, and heaven's going to be wonderful. In fact, I just, all I can do is hope that Jesus comes back soon because this pathetic, difficult world is so, it's too much for me. Really? No, it's not too much for you. It's difficult. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Therefore, my spirit, I want to get my spirit in you. I want to show you what you're capable of. I created you to have dominion over stuff. Now it's over you. That's not the way I designed it. It's not the way I engineered you, and it's not the way I engineered the world. So I sent my son to buy you back out of dysfunction to put you back over. And I'd actually like to see you practice it. You're not going to need to practice that in heaven. It'll be established. But on the earth, I think he wants to show what we're capable of. He put that spirit in you and I so we could overcome things, not succumb to things. There's so many things in our life we tolerate that are not God's will. And because we prayed about it one time and we didn't see it happen, we determined, must not be your will, God. Well, healing must not be your will. I asked to get filled with the Spirit. I didn't get filled with it. Must not be your will. I asked for that job. I didn't get the job. Must not be your will. I asked for the girl. Didn't get the girl. Must not be your will. You see what I mean? And so instead of raising our standard to the Word of God and what He says, we lower our standard to our experience and learning. instead of learning how to develop a fight and a fire and be transformed from glory to glory and strength to strength. Okay, okay, okay. Mark 16, 15 through 18, in case you're wondering what the Great Commission is. And then he told them, go into all the world, preach the good news. The good news is if you're poor, you don't have to be poor anymore. If you're bound, you don't have to be bound anymore. If you're blind, you don't have to be blind anymore. It doesn't mean we're going to feed the blind or we're just going to feed the poor. It means there's power. That's good news. You're telling me good news is I got to get on a government program and live subject to you taking care of me? No, good news is you're going to put power inside of me so that I can represent God and actually be a blessing. Not a, I'm not saying we're not about doing kind works and helping people. and Gosh, but I'm, what God wants to do is make you a person who's capable of helping people. I think it was um, Margaret Thatcher, Prime Minister of England, Jeff Rakowski was telling me, she said, um, the Good Samaritan wasn't known for being the Good Samaritan because he had good intentions. <laughs> it's because he had resources to help people. <laughs> hey, I'm on this government program. I can't help you, but I could help you get on it. That's not the Good Samaritan. God has blessed me and put me in a position of strength so that I can look after you and no longer just look after me. Okay, let's keep moving here. 
Go into all the world. Preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to be believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons. It's like, number one, one-third of Jesus' ministry dealt with demonic, like unclean influences. One-third of it. And then he said, the spirit that's in me is now in you. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, except that. So all the things I did, you're not supposed to do. Really? Help me find that in the Bible. What happens is, is you have been disappointed, and so you have lowered your expectations of what the church should look like because you didn't see it, and so now you're just going to make some commentary that we're not supposed to see it anymore. No. You better believe we're supposed to see it. Greater works you shall do. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. Wow. They'll be able to lay hands on snakes. I think, I think God just hates snakes. He's like, the snake caused all the problems. I'm going to give you authority over snakes and serpents. I hate them. It's not just you, babe, that hates snakes. God hates snakes. And if you drink anything or inject any vaccine into your system, it won't hurt you. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they'll be healed. couldn't help myself. I can never help myself. It's probably because I'm free. Anyway, want to give a quick context of somebody who was a Christian who got filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered. In the Bible, there's a story of somebody who had already become a Christian, because for me, I got saved when I was 23, and then I got into a denomination that taught me that I could never be subject to any oppression because once you're saved, you're free. And so as a result, I loved Jesus, but my life wasn't working very well. And so I was waiting for heaven because I couldn't get any heaven here until I met a a church and a ministry that believed the Bible, and I got free of things that were keeping me from being healthy or productive, okay? And so um, biblically, I wanted to share a story of Simon in the Bible in the book of Acts, okay? A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke to him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon, then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip everywhere he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent the big guns. They sent Peter and John there. They sent Garrison. They sent sent the general, Mike Clark, and they said, hey, these people believe. Let's get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's get some demons driven out of them. want you to know when you get to men's prayer, we do that every Tuesday. If you're not filled with the Spirit, listen, we don't need you being weird. We don't like weird stuff. We need you empowered. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we want to see inside of us, all of us. That's the great price he paid. He released his Spirit so that it could get in us. 
As a result, many men and women were baptized, and Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, I've read this already, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers, people that had already received Christ, had already. they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. He was in them, but he wasn't on them. On them for the work. On them for the assignment. On them. Then Peter and and John laid their hands upon the believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, this is Simon, the guy who was already a believer, a convert out of sorcery, and had become a believer in Christ. When he saw that the spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, you're already born again. You have everything you need. No, he didn't say you're already born again. You can't be oppressed. Nope, that's not what he said. Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking that God's gift can be bought. You could have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Wait a minute. How can I be held captive by anything? I've already received Christ. Well, apparently, biblically, according to Acts here, any of us who've received Christ can still be oppressed by things, and they need to be addressed. That's why we as a church, we don't preach that once you're saved, everything's just fine, brother. It'll all work out. If it didn't happen, it just must not be God's will then for you now, shouldn't it, sweetheart? What? 90% of God's will isn't even realized on the planet is because we don't have any power. And then we've just determined that it must not be his will. We don't even know what his, God, what his will is. Not here. Not here. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you. And then what I love about Simon is he exclaimed, pray to the Lord for me. So what I love is when you're preaching to people that are broken, their response is not like, you know what, forget you. You don't know anything. Their response is pray for me, man. Listen, listen, you're right. You're right. I used to be on the stage, and I used to have all the attention, and now I'm realizing you guys all the attention, and there's a part of me that wants that back. There's a part of me that wants this power so that I can step back into being the great man of God and the wonder worker. I realize this shouldn't even be about me. It should be about Christ. And so I want to repent, but I realize there's still things in me that need the approval, that need the attention, that need the platform. Forgive me. Pray for me. Help me. What we want to say is, yeah, listen, you're a part of the planet. Things got disconnected and, and, and perverted, and they are in you. But what we want you to have is a posture of, yeah, pray for me. I do have some motives that are offline and that, that aren't correct, and I realize, yeah, God loves me, and yes, I believe in him, but I'm still kind of governed by some things that I don't want governing my life. Good? That's out of Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Got to move here. Got to get free, like six R's and an F. 
and two E's. The F is the Father's intent. Listen, everything about freedom has to do with the Father's original intent. Everything, everything, everything. You got to realize the gospel was he originally created you in his image, in his likeness. We fell out of connection, out of relationship, out of function, out of freedom, out of representation, out of authority. We lost all of that. Then he sent his, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He foreknew because he created us as sovereign beings who would have a choice. He foreknew our fall and then made, uh, made a way for us through the lamb slain before the foundation of the world to buy us back into relationship and reestablish keys, reestablish authority, reestablish freedom, reestablish likeness. And so please understand the gospel always is God trying to get you back to what he originally intended, and he paid a great price to buy you back. And what we want to do is apply the price paid for you and I so that we can access the life he paid for. Good? Intended and paid for. Always intended, good for you. Always intended you'd be blessed. Never intended you'd be cursed. Never intended you'd be insecure. Never intended you, you'd be in fear and in anxiety. Never intended these things. Always intended the best for you. Well, let's prove it to you. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multi Be fruitful. Function. Produce. I created your life to work. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Govern it, rule, take your place of authority back. You're not subject to the earth. You're supposed to rule over the earth. And when the righteous are in authority, the earth benefits from you in it. Let's get you clean. Let's get you back in authority, back in faith, back in relationship. So everything around you benefits because you're there. Rain over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God looked over all he made, and he saw that it was very good. Because it represented him. So what I'm always looking for in freedom is not just how do I get rid of horrible things. What's not optimized? What's not in alignment with God's best? What's average? Ooh. I think that's the one word I'm probably most allergic to. You guy's pretty average. Can't do anything about being 5'9", because that's pretty average. But there's things I can control that I can line up with God's best for me or I can settle for all kinds of unclean influences that have been governing my life or maybe ran in my parents. Are you with me? Okay. Now, let's get into the R. The R's. First, there's roots. Tree is known by its fruit. Good roots produce good fruits. Fruit of jealousy not good. Fruit of confidence, very good. I want you to know the greatest miracle in my life didn't happen when I got saved. It happened when I got delivered. Because I grew up steeped in insecurity and fear of failure. One of the things we do when we're doing root analysis is we actually encourage you to go through one to five year segments. Go one to five, look at your life, 
normally don't remember too much there, um, unless you're like seven. Um, five to or six to ten, eleven to fifteen, sixteen to twenty. Five years, five year segments. And what happens is you're able to find traumatic instances that might have happened to you. You might have seen a divorce in your family. You might have saw the death of somebody you cared about. You you might have had your first this or lost your first that, and and all of a sudden you were prone to trauma or damage or injury or frustration or fear or something. And and so I, we were doing this, and and me and Melissa, we've been married for twenty years. But when we met, we'd both been fresh off of uh, ugly divorces where things didn't go well. Things didn't go as we planned. We had good intentions, just nothing, no capability, because we, not because we didn't love Jesus. We were crazy about Jesus. We were unhealthy. And God wanted us not just forgiven for stupid. He wanted us healthy. He wanted our marriage to work. But in order for our marriage to work, we needed to get some of the stupid out. And religion wasn't making us feel guilty for making bad decisions. It wasn't working that well. It made me just want to hide and conceal things instead of bring things into the light so God could heal and free. So we got into an environment where we were doing a deep dive. And I remember I was doing a, uh, this, this history of my life. And at 12 years old, I'd gotten cut from the soccer team, um, the Lions. Lions, Federal Way Lions. They say nothing good comes out of Federal Way. Well, they have no idea. I got cut from this team, and I had no idea that I, through that, entered into agreement with a fear of failure. And I didn't process it very well, and I didn't have somebody to process it with. And as a result, I started to lower my expectations. I, I never want to try. I never want to risk again. So I'll play on the, a, a less than team, maybe. And I ended up getting a soccer scholarship, but it was an NAIA school. Not because I didn't have the capacity to play Division One, It's because I was afraid of getting cut. And so I began to lower my bar of life so that I could be ensure that I wouldn't experience the pain of failure again, the pain of rejection again. And I began to govern my life. And I came into agreement with protective voices that said, risk bad, risk bad, um, secure, small, playing it safe, good. And as a result, my life became very small. And they, they, they started as offering me a way into not feeling pain but they ended up being a prison and a huge ceiling over my life. And so I want to walk through. For me, I had to realize those are some roots I went through. Um, and so these are the quick steps. I'll, I'm going to go through these real quickly. Um, identify the roots. And yours might not be getting cut from a soccer team, but it might have been something where you open the door up. Usually it's a traumatic experience that didn't go the way you thought. Or you were subject to something that went down that you had no control over and you were left with the injury or the loss or the damage. Okay, so you're, when you're doing your root assessment, you're looking for, and that's why we like breaking it into five-year increments because it's just easier. I mean, if you're like 30 or 40 or 50, you, you could look at your life and be like, I don't know, it's just a big mess. But you break it into segments, you can start to see where those little pockets, where those little opportunities for injury came in and you begin to enter into agreement with things um, that, that snuck into your life. Okay, then you, the next R is repent. Now, repentance is basically saying, I realize, God, you're good, and your plans for me are good. You made me in your likeness, and you sent your son because you love me, and you want what's best for me. 
But some of us can know that, but we still want to do it our way. We're still like, you know what? No, I'm not quite ready to trust you, even though I know, I, I agree. Repentance is I'm actually changing. I'm, I'm shifting my orientation, and I'm saying, God, not only do I believe in you to save me, but I believe your ways are right for me, and I'm going to walk in them. That's repentance, okay? The next is renouncing. So I'm just going to use my, uh, my simple illustration. When I started to realize that I'd entered into agreement with the fear of failure, renouncing is saying, I come out of agreement. I realize where you came in. You have been influencing my life and keeping me small, keeping me every time God speaks to me and I want to try and risk that governing voice says, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're going to fail. And so then I'll back away from it because I'm afraid. You see what I mean? So even though God is speaking to me, I still have governing influences keeping me and having control over me because I'd opened a door to them. And so then I'm, I'm breaking contract. If you're a failure, you're illegal. I see where you came in. I've repented. I don't want your help anymore. You're fired. I know I hired you. I know we built this company together called Protect Colin from ever feeling injured again. I know we built it together, but I'm dissolving the corporation. Yeah. We're done. That's renouncing. I know it's simple, but that's why I'm, I, my job is to simplify freedom to simplify how things got in. And, and what, what I think a great pastor will do is they don't complicate the simple. They simplify the complicated. And when you're dealing with things like deliverance, it's kind of weird, man. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't want a, my head to spin around. and uh, I don't. I just want my life to work. And so if we can simplify it, it, it actually is quite easy to get people free. It's quite easy. Um, and we're pretty good at it. We're still building the team. Um, but releasing is forgiving. So let me give an example. My father should have coached me through that season of my life. I needed a coach. I, I needed him more than anything at that time in my life. When I was 11 and a half, 12 years old, and I got cut, and I was this confident kid that believed I could do anything, and then all of a sudden, I was this fearful kid that didn't want to and all I needed at that time was a father to just come in and say, hey, Colin, if you're going to do great things, you're going to experience some failure. This is the right way to process it. And, and I want you to, I need you to make sure you're ready to try out for that team again next year. Instead, I didn't try out for that team. Not because I wasn't good enough, because I was afraid. But I needed a father in that moment. He wasn't there for me. And he loves me. Listen, he was doing his best, but he came out of a line of fathers that didn't have good relationship, and so they were left to solve their own problems in their, and their own dysfunctions in their own ability. And, and so, listen, I, he was a good guy, but I still needed him. So releasing, the next R is realizing, Dad, I'm releasing you from the damage that got caused in my life because you weren't there for me. I know you love me. I know, I know you weren't concocting a plan to ruin my life. You were just dysfunctional yourself and didn't have the capacity to help me in that moment. Or you were too busy or who knows what else. But I can't afford to just be a victim. I have to do something about it. And so for me, forgiving my father, where he disappointed me, where he let me down, where he wasn't helped me in the process, I'm releasing him. I forgive you. You no longer owe me. I still need it, but I'm looking now to my heavenly Father to give me what I needed from you. 
That's release. I'm forgiving you. Forgiveness is not just saying, hey, the debt's gone. I have no hope of ever recovering it. It's like, no, my hope just isn't in you anymore. You might have taken it, but he's got it now, and I can get it from God. He can bring it into my life as long as I'm not holding you a prisoner. So releasing is so massive when you're coming into freedom. In fact, I've never seen freedom operate where there's unforgiveness. I've never seen it once where somebody is harboring bitterness and unforgiveness because of a valid injury, and most of us have valid injuries. Most of us have a lot of people we probably need to forgive, including ourselves. But I've never seen freedom come to somebody who's still harboring unforgiveness. Never seen it once. uh, Release, renounce. We've talked about renounce, breaking the contract, fear of injury, fear of failure, fear of rejection. I see where you came in, but I'm done with you. We're done. Resist is evicting. That's where I say, and we'll have a prayer team up here, but we don't really care about what part of the journey you're on. We're not interested in just having some crazy freedom session here. What we're interested in is getting you onto the pathway of what freedom looks like. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not like a one and done. And listen, you can have a powerful encounter, but what we want is to get you into a lifestyle where you're beginning to walk the steps of freedom out. And you're understanding where these thoughts came in and how you came into agreement and what vulnerability you had that opened that door. And then you're beginning to systematically close the door on those things and forgive and release and repent and all the stuff. And, but then you eventually do need to resist. Some of these things have been in your life a little while. Maybe they were in your parents' life. And they're stubborn. They're like squatters in your house. They're not paying any rent. Not talking about kids here. <laughs> Got a few of them probably too. I'm not staring at the Ross girls. They're still of an age where they probably can live at home. And Yeah, under 18. If you're 35, though, at home, you might need to be driven out. Some parents might need some freedom. No, but imagine owning a property, okay, and somebody is illegally living there. You don't just kindly show up and say, hey, this is my house. Can you mind, you know? I'm trying to rent it out. I'm trying to get some extra income. And you're kind of ruining the opportunity for me to utilize my property for what I want. And they're like, yeah, sorry, we got rights. It's California. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it's like what you do is you show up with the sheriff and you evict them. You legally do not have access to this property. So for me, it wasn't enough for me to break contract with fear. I had to drive it out of my heart because it had been there a while. It kind of liked, it kind of set up the furniture. It liked the way things were set up and it liked governing my world and it was a bit stubborn. So I had to continue to reinforce the R's, but that one of those is resist. And you're coming out right now. I'm done with you. Come up. Come up out of my life. Fear. Fear, you're illegal. Jesus bought you. God didn't, God didn't build me with fear. Fear came in through this moment, okay? I empowered it, got into agreement with it. I've forgiven all the people that contributed to my dysfunction. Now I'm breaking contract with these things that came in. Go. And when you follow the formula, it's shockingly easy how much. Now that you'll start to, this is where you'll start to see stuff. Your mind will be like, you know, and you'll start to feel weird things. But it, what we want to do is create an environment where this is normal. Yeah, so, okay, good. 
Okay, a couple, uh, the, the, then the R is renew, and then the E is engage. So this is what I want you to hear. For you to experience freedom, it does not matter how much the minister, how much power they have, how much anointing they have, and we want to always be cultivating people that move in the power of God, but freedom has everything to do with your engagement. You have to actually want it more than the minister wants it. You do. You have to take responsibility for the, for the dysfunction in your own life to a point that you're willing to engage in the process. Yeah. And so we really want to put a hunger in you that you could have a lot more freedom than you even think. Then the next, the last one is we want to see people enlist. What does that mean? For Melissa and I 20 years ago, right before we met, we celebrate 20 years of marriage this year. Zero chance, zero chance we make it. I mean zero chance, babe. This guy was so, as beautiful and as stunning as you are, I was incapable of holding it together unless I addressed the issues that were in my life and in my heart, okay? Now, that might not be your case for relationships. That might be your case for work. That might be your case for another area of your life. Find an area of your life where you have opened the door based on trauma. There's a guy I'm working with right now whose parents went through a very difficult bankruptcy, and it, he still lives with the residue of, of around finances. It's a tricky area. It's not just prophesy. It's not just give. There's a lot of trauma and injury and a lot of things he's come into agreement with that have a result to do with that that traumatic event. So for him, it was, it was financial. For me, it was relational. What about you? It might be a couple areas. But what if God could get in and set you free from an area that's not functioning? That's what we want to get you on that journey. But once you've been set free, like Melissa and I have, we were the poster children of restoration at that church. Because we, we went all in. We were like, oh, man. Like, there's a lot here. There's a whole lot of stuff I've opened myself up to. There's a whole lot of doors I'd like to close. There's a whole lot of things I'd like to come out of agreement with. Fear of failure happened to be one of them. Wasn't even one of the biggest ones. Rejection and insecurity and inferiority and need for approval. I could go on and on with the things that I came into agreement with. But what happened is we began to unravel our life from the grip and power of sin and shame and condemnation. And we begin to turn on the flow of healing and restoration, healing in our heart. Gosh, we're just, life began to be sustainable in us. And then we started to get addicted to getting other people free. And it's funny, the last thing, the last 12 years we've been doing Pathfinders, and it's good, we have it in our PFA. But I think since we came up here, I've just fallen back in love with the process of getting people free. Because it's, there's nothing in the world like helping people. And most of the stuff you're dealing with, you feel, because the devil's really good at making you feel like you're a piece of crap and you're all alone and you're the only one who thinks this kind of stuff and you're the only one who's ever, you know, said that or, or thought that. And, and, and he is crafty and he wants to isolate you so he can destroy you. But what we love to do is pull you out of isolation, create environments that are high confidentiality, high vulnerability, and then begin to help you get free. And because of that, like, we want to see an army of people that get people free. It's part of what we're going to do. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we all stand on our feet? We did get through the acronym somehow. 
How's everybody doing? We're going to have our prayer team come up. What, what we're looking for is, again, we don't need, like, a whole widespread deliverance session around your whole life. It's not possible, honestly. It's Your life's too valuable to just rush you into something. Restoration is very caring, actually. It's very heartwarming, but there might be a step that you need to take today. And what we have is an incredible team of ministers that have tools to help you. And it might be forgiving. It might be the forgiveness, the release step. It, it might be the breaking contract step. And you might have already done some of this and you just have some stubborn stuff in there and it might just be telling it to go. I don't, we don't really care what step you're on. We just need to get you in step. We need to get you into, into restoration. So we're going to have our team. Last thing I'm going to share as we do this, Jesus, Jesus bled in seven different areas. And I, I want you to catch this. First, the, he sweat drops of blood. This could do with pressure, anxiety, the weight of decisions, stress. But the blessing that he, he unlocked for you and I was obedience. That in the middle of pressure, I can still do God's will. So if that relates to you, his back brought physical healing. Physical healing. Okay? The crown of thorns broke the curse of poverty, broke the curse of lost authority. If you've lost something and you just don't have authority when you pray or you don't have authority financially or you just feel like you're living under the curse, please see what Jesus paid and where he shed blood because his blood has brought freedom. He was bruised for our iniquities. Some injuries are below the surface can't really see them on the outside, but you're very aware. They're very tender. And there's tender areas of your life. If that's you, pierced for our transgressions. That's our hands and our feet. Hands are sin that you've participated in in this life. Feet are things you inherited from your fathers. Stuff your parents did. It's generational cycles. He was pierced to break them. Chastisement. Mock. Scorn punch, tell us who punched you, brought us peace. If peace has been absent in your life, he paid for you to have it. One of my, one that just blows my mind, and I felt it in the nine, and I feel it again here, is, you know, when he, when he came to Adam, and he had created Adam in his image, the first thing he said to him that wasn't right is he said, it's not right that you're alone. So he put him to sleep, took a rib, right out of here and then he created Eve interesting when Eve and Adam fell the, the family dynamic broke and so aloneness returned and you can be around people and still be alone but you remember when Jesus was on the cross and they stuck the spear into his rib right in the heart blood and water flowed out he took because he had already said it's not good for you to be alone, and yet my people are alone. And so I'm going to tell you if there's been relational damage, relational loss, relational pain, somebody was in your life, they're not anymore. You're estranged. You're apart. L listen, I, Jesus came to address that. 
that's one of the places he bled from is so that he could restore where there's been relational damage. Holy Spirit, let's put our hands, maybe just put your hands in a receiving posture. Holy Spirit, I just declare right now this community on a snowy Freedom Sunday, the first of its kind, I call this community stepping into freedom, stepping onto the journey, the pathways of freedom. Whether it's just identifying a root or seeing something that doesn't need to be there, it's not your lot in life. Maybe it's a repentance. Maybe it's you've known God's good, but you just haven't really come into agreement. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's releasing somebody that opened a door, somebody that caused some damage, somebody that still owes you something. Maybe it's coming out of agreement, renouncing something. God, I declare that you would begin to show us the step or steps we're to take today and in this season. Maybe it's resisting. Maybe it's time for this thing to go. The problem is, is you've been asking it to go, but you haven't done the first four steps, and so it has legal right to you. But maybe you have done those, and it's time to, to put some prep to evict this thing, to show up with another deputy, another brother, men's prayer, and say, okay, we're dragging this thing out of my life right now. I've done all these other steps. It's illegal. It's going. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you just need to get it. Maybe it needs to go. Or maybe it's renewing your mind. And then I just want you to think through the full spectrum of the price Jesus paid for your entire healing and restoration and make sure you're applying it to the specific area. For me, it was my confidence. My good friend, it's for his finances. Bad other friends, it's for a relationship. I don't, it doesn't matter. Don't generalize freedom. Be specific with the area that you need healing and freedom. God, I release freedom into this room. Uh, ministry team, you guys can come forward right now. God, I declare an atmosphere where you're exposing every dark thing, every dark thought, where you're allowing us to see firsthand where things came in and what they are. I say expose every unclean influence that has been harming, governing, damaging, lying to, deceiving your people. The devil came to steal and kill and destroy, but you came to destroy the works of darkness. And I declare a spirit of freedom in here, a spirit of life in here. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.